You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 330, Leading from the Heart, Part 2. So we've been looking at the this passage of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew. It, it's actually kind of the preface to the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is probably the the only complete sermon of Jesus that we have. We we tend to think we get, get a lot of little snippets of what he he shares he shares a lot of parables but but this is a long message and it seems to be in its entirety but um the the beatitudes are what starts it off and i'm just going to read this passage and then i'll we'll get into it a little bit more it says and jesus opened his mouth and taught them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now this is a kind of an odd passage of Scripture to be talking about leadership from, but what I've found is, really what these things do is they encapsulate the heart, and when the kind of heart we should have towards other people. And, and, and you know, there's, there's so many great teachings out there on leadership. I've done so many podcasts on leadership, and will continue to do so. But I think it's important that we understand that leadership is more about the right techniques, having the right steps, having the right uh, philosophy of leadership. It really comes down to, um, at least the other side of that, is the heart of the leader. Um, what is the heart of the leader? Because you can get all the, the, the steps right, you can tick off all the boxes, you can have the right philosophy of leadership and, and be an experienced leader, but if you've got the wrong heart then I think we're going to have a serious problem. So we talked about, um, you know, really just, and I'll just t- touch on a couple of these. Blessed are the meek. You know, really, um, the, the word means humility. Blessed are the humble. And, 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 and as a leader, humility is one of those things that really should define our leadership. An arrogant leader is an absolute um, disaster to work for. It's just no fun at all because they know it all. Um, they don't need you. Their way's always right. It's just it's it's very very uh, difficult and can be an uncomfortable work situation. So um, you know humility for a leader is very very powerful. Um, we talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You know as a leader, we should lead the way in doing 
what is right. Not just doing the right thing, but but doing what is right. Not, not just doing things right, but doing the right thing is what I'm actually trying to say. And and so, you know, I think we can get so caught up in making sure our people are, are doing it right, doing it right, ticking the boxes, getting it right. And, and in reality, you know, if we're not doing the right thing, we're missing it. So as a leader, we should be um, seeking after that. Um, but, but also in that, there's a blessed are the merciful. You know, as a leader, we should be those people who extend mercy and understand that our people are not going to be perfect. If we expect them to be perfect, then we're only going to disappoint ourselves and we're going to make it very, very difficult on them. Obviously, there's there's uh, accountability. Obviously, there's in the workplace, there's things that we have to get done. There's performance appraisals where their behavior, their, the way they're doing their job is discussed. But there's also mercy. There's also those times when we extend mercy and, um, you know, really help them to uh, move along. You know, I've, I've got a friend who's just recently told me that he made a huge mistake at his job and it caused, ended up costing the company money. He's relatively new there and he expected to be fired. And to be fair, his boss was very angry, chewed him out pretty good, but then said, okay, you know how not to do it now. You know, let's go. And uh, even though he got chewed out, he said he, it was still very merciful because they could have fired him over it. But as it was, they extended mercy um, told him he'd just been educated and, you know, allowed him to go on his way. Um, today I want to jump in and we're going to kind of wrap up here with these last few. The first one is, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now in the workplace, we're not always talking about seeing God, um, unless you're working for a church or some, some other ministry. But uh, blessed are the pure in heart. What, what are we talking about here? Uh, I think for a leader, when we're talking about leading from the heart, I think the, the application here is we really should live a life without reproach. We should live a life, um, you know, where our standards are higher, where we've got, uh, you know, rules in place for ourselves, uh, a life of moral purity, um, just even in the way we treat people. When I worked for the police department, we had a spate of three or four guys over a period of a couple of years who got in trouble and ultimately fired for sexual harassment. Now, what's fascinating is these were supervisors. These were guys who were in leadership positions. Um, you know, I, I can think of one right off the top of my head who was a sergeant. I can think of another one who was a major. Uh, so, so, you know, really, you know, kind of getting up into high-level management. And both of these guys were eventually run off uh, there was disciplinary process, and and eventually um, resigned in disgrace over sexual harassment. And you know what's even more interesting is every single year in the police department we would get this four-hour block of training on sexual harassment. It's just it's hideous. It's horrible sitting through this because for anybody with any common sense, you understand it boils down to keep your hands to yourself. Don't say anything to anyone that you wouldn't want said to your wife, your mother, your sister, your husband. It's just doing the right thing. And so I think as leaders, um, we have to set the stage. We have to set the example. If if we're the ones in a leadership position that are telling off-color jokes, we're giving our people permission to do the same thing. If we're looking at things we shouldn't look at on our computer at work 
why are we surprised that our people are doing the same things? Um, if we're uh, flirtatious, if we're saying, if we're making inappropriate comments to someone from the opposite sex, um, how can we be surprised that our people are do, not doing, or they're doing the same thing? So, so for us as leaders, we have to set an example. And when we hear things that are inappropriate, we don't ignore them. We take, we take action right then. We say, you know what, we don't do that here. And we're setting the standard. Um, it's not that we don't laugh. It's not that we don't joke. It's not that we don't have a good time. But there's things that are appropriate and there's things that are not. And as leaders, again, I've got to be the one who sets the stays, the sets the example for my people. I can't be surprised if um, they're making questionable moral decisions if I'm not uh, leading the way. Now, don't get me wrong. I can't control my people, and I wouldn't even try. Um, they've got their own lives away from work. Um, sadly, I saw some folks that I worked with who worked for me over the years make some terrible uh, mistakes in their personal lives, and it cost them dearly, cost them their marriage, um, sometimes cost them their jobs. But um, at work, I can at least control that ground. I've got control of that territory over how we act, how we treat each other. And, you know, we had um, the units that I worked in, we had a blast. Um, you know, we joked, we cut up, we had fun, but it was never abusive, and there was never any you know, sexual overtones. We just had fun. Um, everybody was friends and, and it worked out well. So um, I really encourage as a leader to make sure you set the example by the way you live your life. Raise that bar even a little bit higher on how you treat people, on the kinds of things you say, on the kinds of things you talk about, and then also on the kinds of things you get you, you let people get away with. Because if, if somebody tells an off-color joke around you, and you don't say anything, you've basically given approval for that. So how you say it, how you deal with it, it's up to you, but it needs to be dealt with. So let's make sure that we live those lives above reproach. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they'll see God. The next one, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. You know, depending on where you work, Workplace drama can be absolutely draining for a supervisor, a manager, a leader, the CEO, whatever. Um, workplace drama is absolutely um, really that thing that just sucks the life out of us. It sucks the life out of our people. It destroys the culture. It, uh, it really just creates this environment where people don't even want to come to work because of the emotion and the, the angst that's going on between other people. And, you know, honestly, I, I would try and address this if you have any control over the hiring process, over the type of people you hire. When I was, uh, and I've talked about this more on um, in the podcast on, on creating a team and how to select team members, um, you know, really selecting the right team members up front can go a long way to making sure you don't even have to be a peacemaker. But reality is sometimes we don't have control over that. And, even in the best situation, there's times when there's going to be some conflict. There's times when people don't get along. There's times when people hurt each other's feelings. And as a leader, you often have to be a peacemaker. So do it. Do it well. Don't 
pour fire, don't pour gas on the fire, but learn how to resolve the situation, learn how to calm the situation down, and and ultimately um, bring the situation back around because we're not at work to have a soap opera. We're at work to get work done. And, you know, having that soap opera, you know, in your office is is absolutely distracting. It's no fun. It, uh, it kills creativity. It kills productivity. And um, it's just something that needs to be dealt with. So be the peacemaker. Deal with stuff. And, you know, one of the ways we can deal with that is um, as the leader, you know, we talked about, you know, being pure in heart. And when you hear those off-color jokes, making sure you shut that down. But at the same time, when you hear somebody talking about another coworker, when you hear them gossiping, shut that down too. You know, as a leader, you've got that control to say, you know what, we don't do that here. If you've got a problem with them, go sit down and talk to them. But gossiping behind their back is not going to accomplish anything. And, you know, as the leader, that's your job, that's your responsibility. And ultimately, everybody's going to appreciate it because nobody wants to be talked about. I mean, if that person's talking about, um, you know, this person over here, well, you know, this may be the next the person standing next to you, maybe they're going to be the next one that's talked about, or maybe it's going to be you as the leader. So shut it down. Don't let it go on and be the peacemaker that your people need. Then Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, that's a lot. That is a lot. Um, You know, you probably don't go to work thinking about getting persecuted, but the fact of the matter is sometimes you're in a a situation at work where maybe you're um, in, in an unhappy place. Maybe you wouldn't classify it as persecution, but you would also say that Getting up every morning and going to work sucks the life out of you because of the the leadership environment that you're working in. You might be a leader, but then obviously you're going to have leaders above you, and it might be a very difficult situation. Um, How do you handle that? Do you put a positive spin on it? Do you maintain a positive attitude, or do you fall into the muck and complain and groan and moan like everybody else? And, And I'm not throwing any stones here. I've been there. I've been there. I've been had those times where, where I just didn't want to go to work because it wasn't a very good environment. The people I was working with weren't motivated. Um, they didn't want to be there. Um, they wanted to slough off as much work as they possibly could. Your, your leaders didn't want to be there, and it was just a poisonous environment. So how do you handle that? Well, first of all, you only can control yourself. And I might be working for a really bad boss, and I don't have any control over that, but I can control my attitude, I can control how I respond, and I can try and be just as positive as I possibly can. But also the people that are working for me, I'm going to do everything I can to protect them, to protect them from you know, my bad boss, because he may be passing down some directives that, that, that are you know, tough, difficult, etc., and, and I've got to be the guy who knows how to protect my people during those difficult times. So be that leader who, um, you know, you may not be persecuted like Jesus was talking about here for your faith, um, but you, you still might find yourself in a difficult situation and how you respond to it is very, very important. Now, let me talk just a second about sharing your faith in, in the workplace. 
because I've talked to people who have told me that, you know, because they're a Christian, they are being persecuted in the workplace. And really what I've found is it, it happens, but more often than not, they're just one of what I would call one of those goofy Christians. They don't have the tact and they don't know how to share their faith in an attractive manner. And so they share it in a way that uh, makes people feel bad, that makes people feel um, guilty, that, that they're, they're intolerant, they're, they give a bad uh, perspective of God, and they come across as a religious nut. If that's you, stop it. Um, you know, Paul said that all of our conversations should be seasoned with salt or seasoned with grace, um, one translation says. Um, in other words, the, th- the things you're sharing about your faith, don't be goofy. Make it natural. Listen, as, as, a, as a police officer and then as a sergeant and as a manager, there were times when I would you know, talk to my subordinates about my faith and I would share Christ with them. But in a way, because I'd built a relationship with them, I never had anybody come back and persecute me or complained that I shared my faith with them. Um, I, I had some folks who would, actually several folks who went through divorces during my time of managing and supervising. And I would always say, man, let me, let me, or, or, or ma'am, if it, was, if it was a lady, I'd say, listen, let me, uh, let me take my supervisor's hat off and let me put my pastor's hat on. Would you mind if I prayed for you? And I never had anybody turn me down. And we would pray in my office. I remember one young woman going through a very devastating divorce and she just sat and cried in my office. And, you know, sadly, she didn't go to church and she had nobody else to talk to, but I was able to share God's love with her in a gentle way, pray for her, watch her wipe her eyes and say, I feel so much better now. Thank you for that. So again, are, are people persecuted in the workplace for their Christianity? I'm sure it happens, but I think the way that we conduct ourselves and the way we share our faith really has a lot to do with that. And if you do it in the right way, I don't think anybody's ever going to say a word because they're going to say, you know what? You bring so much positivity and light to the office that your faith is very, very attractive. So we've talked about leading from the heart. We've gone through the Beatitudes. Um, hopefully, as you read the Sermon on the Mount, this will give you a fresh way, maybe some fresh eyes to, to as you look at the Sermon on the Mount, especially as you look at the Beatitudes, and even maybe some fresh thoughts on leadership because you know I'm always looking for new things, and leading from the heart is very important. But I'd love to hear from you. What do you think? Go to davidspell.com. Leave a question or comment in the comments section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and I look forward to seeing you next week on Leading and Learning.